showed up to Low Gap, and I was like, oh, I'm actually like kind of near, near like not near the front, but I was like in the mix in the pro field, and Stetna like kind of showed up to that race a little out of shape, and like we caught him, and I was like, oh my god, I'm riding with Peter Stetna. Like I was so excited to read that guy saw Stetna's jersey, and I was like, who is like what is he doing? Welcome to another episode of Fuerza, Inside the Mind of the Ridden Athlete. I'm your host, Mig, a.k.a. Grasshopper, organizer of the Grasshopper Adventure Series. And in today's podcast, we'll be talking with Ian Lopez de San Roman. Ian is the youngest rider to be selected to compete in the Lifetime Grand Prix this year. And he started turning heads last year with some impressive win at the overall at the Grasshopper Adventure Series, a 15th overall in Leadville, and a couple podiums at the Belgian Waffle Ride. Ian comes from NorCal, another Sebastopol native, my hometown. I've known him since he was just a little whippersnapper, so it just warms my heart, says Uncle Miggy, to see him doing so well. Join us as we discuss his plans for the upcoming year. He'll talk about racing in Panama the tour of Ecuador, as well as his background in the NorCal High School League racing mountain bikes, cyclocross, and just about everything that has two wheels. We're all excited to see what Ian has in store for us this year. But first on the list coming up is Low Gap this weekend, where he'll line up against Pete Stetna, Brennan Wirtz, Christopher Blevins, George Kabush, and many others. So stay tuned and have a listen with your host, Mig, and our guest, Ian Lopez. Ian, welcome to the Hopper Lounge, and uh, thanks for joining us on Fuerza Podcast. Good to be here. So we were just talking before we turn on the mic uh, about our recent rides, and I understand that uh, you had a bit of an adventure. We, you and I did a, a pre-ride of Low Gap with Stetna. I think it was an easy day for you, and me and Paul were on the rivet, and then he taught, treated you really special the next day, right? Yeah, he took me took me out for a romp around uh, Napa in Sonoma County. Yeah, he was a... He was a definitely trying to kill me or something like every single climb it was just like 340 330 340 like just lots of watts so tell people about the big loops in sonoma county right it's fun for me seeing you go pro and we'll talk more about this but the you know i'm very the know these roads really intimately so big loop tell folks uh winter training in sonoma county what does that look like for you guys i mean i'd say you're supposed to stay on the road <clears throat> no trails. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, West County is definitely kind of the more punchier side. And so you like, I always like people look at my Strava and they're like, dude, you're riding like 15 mile an hour averages on everything. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't mean, maybe I'm slower, maybe it's just like the terrain. But then like I went out kind of on a loop to like Napa side with Pete to like Berryessa and like, it was like 18 miles an hour average. And I was like, Oh, okay. I understand now. So yeah, it's definitely, I feel like there's kind of two different parts. There's like the kind of coastal punchier, nastier side. And like, that's where I grew up. And I feel like that's kind of my riding style, like 
10 to 15 minute climbs like pretty fast. And that's, I think that's kind of where my power profile <laughs> came from. Yeah. And it was Sonoma, Sonoma County, if, if people don't know it that well, right. So it's, it's, we've got the coastal part a little bit in the valley heading up to Hillsburg. And then once you get over Cavedale, Trinity, you guys did Oakville grade, then you end up into Napa, which kind of opens up a whole another, uh, another zone of riding. Yeah. And I think, I think those are kind of where the bigger climbs are. So you got, like, as soon as you kind of cross over, I'd say the Santa Rosa thing, you have geysers and Pine Flat and Trinity and Cave Dale and then basically all the other Napa climbs. And so I get a little pissed off of the riding around here because I'm like, dude, 10 minute climb. And then there's a descent in the middle. Like King Ridge is basically three little climbs. So I think you got to go. It's, it's definitely kind of two different terrains. And I think that's kind of what benefits Sonoma County is you kind of have two different sides and a whole lot of variety. Yeah. And yeah, I think we're gonna be jumping around a little bit on the podcast here, but you know, seeing you having ridden since you were pretty little with Sander being the same age as my son and seeing you and your sister at the dirt crits and at the, uh, at the cycle cross races and the high school races to be, to be taken off to have another, uh, you know, talent coming out of Sebastopol. Uh, people know Luke Lamperti, right? You guys are all kind of the, the, the same age. So tell me where, where things are at right now. I know that uh, last year was a big year for you and you just got accepted into the Lifetime Grand Prix next, series, next year as the youngest rider. So tell, tell me a little bit about, uh, about what's going on currently and what you're looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, do you want to hear the whole story or you want to hear the abbreviated version? Well, let, let's talk about what's happened in the last year that's okay. led you up to this point. And then from there, we'll, we'll jump back a little bit and I'll, I'll wax nostalgic yeah, yeah, about yeah, when yeah. you were okay, a little okay. whippersnapper. But yeah, tell me what you led up to this moment. This You're really at the threshold of, of something really exciting. Yeah. yeah, so it basically started off the season, went to, went to Calpe with my friend Cassius for two weeks and like just rode some super crazy miles. And I kind of was like, well, I've never done this before, so I started off the year like that. Um, we rented a 30-euro-a-night apartment, just, like, eating pasta and rice every night, just living living life, and then showed up to Low Gap, had a good time. I think I was, like, I was in the top 10 or something. I don't really remember. Um, yeah, I lo- that was a fun race, and I was like, oh, I'm actually, like, kind of near... Near like not near the front, but I was like in the mix in the pro field, and Stetna like kind of showed up to that race a little out of shape, and like we caught him, and I was like, oh my god, I'm riding with Peter Stetna! Like I was so excited to like I saw Stetna's jersey, and I was like, who is like what is he doing? And so like I was yeah, I kind of started the season just like excited to race, and then it kind of led in. I went to Belgian Waffle Ride San Diego, and then. I basically, I knew I'd planned to go to that race. I showed up there and yeah, I had a kind of like a rough day on the first day. I got two flats and then I made it back to the front group and people were like, whoa, you actually made it back after two flats. And then it was like a, I think I got like 17th or something. And yeah, the first kind of couple of races of the season, like I didn't really realize like long races for nutrition so I would like hit hour five and just start barfing like all over the place and so I like every race it would like be like oh hour six you start barfing and so like by the end of the season I started figuring that out and so on the second day of Belgian waffle ride I uh they did the wafer the shorter day on the next day so I went I went over there and I was just 
like I was in the front group and Rob Britton was off the front tour of Utah winner. So he was, he was going to win, but it was like a group of like three or four of us. And like, it was like mile 50 and someone didn't call it a pothole. And I just like hit the thing with my front wheel with one hand on my water bottle. And then I just like yard sailed, like going like 35 miles an hour. And then like my bar cracked and like, I was totally covered in blood. And so like, it was kind of a low, but it was kind of at that moment where I'd met Michael Marks, the kind of owner of BWR the day before. And I, he, he like watched me crash and he picks me up off the ground and he's like, Ian, no, like you're about to get second. Like he was so, he was like super excited on my performance and he's like, like, who is this kid? And so I kind of spent the rest of the day chasing the race in his little Bronco or whatever, bleeding all over his seats in the back. And yeah, we, I think we had a pretty good connection and he, he, uh, helped me get some entries to the other kind of his, the rest of his race series. Um, and so, yeah. Let me ask you a question here. So it sounds like, you know, you're going to Spain, you're training, obviously you've been riding since as long as you've been able, been able to get your legs over the bike you didn't necessarily have season goals right or did you had you prioritize some things or you're so fit and then all of a sudden you had to adjust i know you've been working with a coach how did that how did you start to mentally formulate your your season after that i guess i did have season goals i went to tahoe trail the kind of local like leadville qualifier race last year and I'd, I'd I think I won, I think the under 19 category. And so I got a Leadville coin and I was like, all right, all right, I'll go to Leadville. And so I couldn't go that year cause I was too young cause you had to be 18, I guess. And so then I, uh, was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll defer to the next year. And so I paid the entry and somehow lifetime charges $500. We actually, we should cut that. I love lifetime. Um, <laughs> uh, well, that, that's it's up for discussion. It's a you don't need. To I cut. mean, okay, it, it's ex, it's expensive race. It's an expensive race, and so I paid the five hundred dollars. I went to, uh, yeah, I went, I went, and I was like kind of considering not going because I was like five hundred dollars. Like I'm definitely gonna get messed up at this race, and so that was November. I bought the entry, and so I kind of went into the season. I knew I kind of wanted to focus on gravel and the hoppers and all the stuff, and so. Yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, it was like my whole thought was the year before I'd raced kind of all the U.S. Cup races, and I was just kind of like just off the back of the junior field, or like I was in the mix, but it was like, okay, you're like within the top 20, pretty close to the top 10. Like I was like 14th at nationals in the junior race, and so I was like, what? Like I kind of always had the thought that I'd be better at longer races. And so I was like, dude, I have this grasshopper series like right next to my house. Like what am I doing not taking advantage of this instead of flying to like like Arkansas? Like why am I flying to Arkansas for some race when I can literally race? Like, and the HuffMaster field was stacked last year, right? Yeah. You could tell us a little bit. I mean that came yeah. up in February, so that was early on in your season. Yeah. I mean basically what I was saying is like why am I flying across the country to race Pete, like the same people or like high level pros when I have pros in my backyard, like Pete and Brennan and all these people. So that was, that was kind of my season change. And then I, I went into it. Like I want to race the hoppers. I want to maybe, I want to do like this Belgian waffle ride. I'll do Leadville. And then that's kind of what the start was. Um, but yeah, Huffmaster last year. I remember, so HuffMaster, I want to tell a little story. I'll back up a little bit, right? So after COVID happened, I remember, 
uh, again, for the people listening, like I've known Ian since he was little, right? And I knew you were coming with Travis and you had a bunch of kids in the junior field. You're like, Mick, I really want to race pro and a transfer. And I remember, well, I remember this? not, this was COVID year. Yeah. We came back, right? I remember not letting you cause we had a big junior field, but I remember how passionately you went and like you were flying. So you obviously should have been in the pro field. So you came back the <laughs> next year, which was, or the next time we had it, which was last year. And, uh, you had a, a, a phenomenal ride, I would say a breakout in the sense when I'm looking at you in the pace line behind Brennan and Sandy, what pulling Jeff Kabush along, right? Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting race. Like I kind of, I, I don't know. I raced so much last season. I, it's hard to remember some stuff, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I remember the f- start of the race we were going and then, I mean, it starts on this kind of big cement section, so no one's gonna get dropped there. And then, like, it was it was not great. Like, I was too shuffled back for that climb, and like Sandy and everyone got away. And I was like, "What am I doing?" Like, Ian, like you just messed up this whole race. And so, I like descend past a ton of people, and I go to the feed zone, and then me and Tony. God, I forget his last name. Poli- the Polici guy. Polici, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we... Tony like, Little's his name, but yeah, that's yeah, his Instagram. Yeah. Tony Little. Yeah. Semi-famous influencer. <laughs> so he's super cool. And then, like, I was like, oh, what's up, Tony? And, like, we just, like, boosted it. And we're like, all right, we got to get back on. And we were in a pace line with, like, Aria and a couple other people that kind of aren't as great on the downhill. So we caught them. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, then we were going. And then we hit that kind of Huffmaster switchback descent. And then all of a sudden we see, like, Kabush and Brayden and a couple other people. And I was like, oh, we did it. We caught the people. And so... That was kind of like the first time I've ever been in uh, like group sprint for like a podium position at a grasshopper. Well, I guess I guess I won the the Lake Sonoma, but I feel like it's different though. The yeah. dynamics where you chased, you caught yeah. back on, and then you're thinking and you're, you're yeah. I mean, and it was a group finish. of like, dude, it was like five or six like legit people and i was like what am i doing here i'm like actually here and so obviously brennan and sandy were off the front and but i don't think it was that that far i mean i don't know of course i lost the sprint i mean i <laughs> well it was great yeah. seeing you guys ripping in and, and that road for the Huffmaster is gonna be the same thing with the gravel finish we're gonna have that close so people hopefully will, will know that turn l- l- tell me a little bit about about something so you're talking about doing the 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 mountain bike national series and you're doing the cyclocross national series. So, you know, the grasshoppers, uh, started what, 26 years ago. They're you, they're not part of, you don't need a license for it. So there's not like some, it's similar to what the, all the other gravel events are as well right now. Um, and now that you're doing these and doing the gravel scene, what does it feel like to have shifted gears? Obviously, if you're training for a 130-mile race, you're not going to then go out and do a also train to peak for a 24-mile mountain XC bike national race. championship, yeah. right? How do you – Yeah. are you excited about it? Is it? Does it feel like you've yeah. left something behind or – I mean, I don't know. I kind of – I think always in the back of my head, I kind of knew like, yeah, you probably should be racing longer races. And yeah, I think – yeah, just I always kind of like would finish the race and I'd be like, man, I could do like four more laps of that. That would be fun. And like maybe not as fast, but 
Yeah, I, I think I was just like a little bit lost in the sauce. Like, I mean, I think I think like if I would have just continued at like the XCO or cyclocross, I think I could be, I think I could be there. But I just didn't really see the future in that. Like right now, I think, and I saw myself kind of more. I, I definitely enjoy the kind of like longer rides, and I was honestly getting a little bit like the training for that was not as fun for me. Like it was just like hour and a half maybe three hour ride the most on the sunday and now it's like i can go do six hours seven hours and it's like i enjoy that a lot more and so i i mean i don't know i honestly yeah i'm not really missing the shorter races like i don't it's weird i don't really like warming up for races for some reason like the warming up just when you're there like super tensed up and nervous and you're like all right all right all right and you're thinking about the race like going through like your little accelerations and like like that's probably what i I don't miss warming yeah. up at and all. And do you uh, think that with your experience with the back with your background mountain biking, and I've ridden with you a bunch, and I know you're a great great descender. Now that you're doing the lifetimes of a couple of mountain bike events, do you feel like that's gonna play towards your your strength uh, as well? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think it will. Like I know I know this year the mountain bikers like Keegan and Fancy like came up and kind of showed everyone what's up. And so, yeah, I kind of want to tag team off that. Like, I don't know. I think I think mountain bikers are here to stay in gravel. And I think it's weird for me because, like, I'm kind of like a – I'm almost growing up through gravel. Like, all these other guys, like, came from the road or came from mountain bike or whatever else they were doing. And so I think I might be able to be, like, to kind of learn a little earlier. But, I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah. It, it's it's fun to have this conversation with you, and I just kind of skimmed through a couple of people's posts about the the future of gravel, and and for me, I, I do understand the question and what that's about with the professionalization of it, as well as the UCI World Championships. But it's it's bike racing, right? And the format is one that's here to stay. It's still evolving, uh, but it's awesome to see you just as soon as you graduated that you're you're doing what you love, you know. Back, I remember seeing also your Vita, your your sister having a lot of success when she was younger, and you hadn't quite hit your stride, right? Yeah. Uh, but you were still riding, always having fun. You were riding, getting stronger. Um, yeah. Was it just to continue training and seeing what you could do and having fun, or or were you like, this is going to be? My career. You've seen as a family completely dedicated. And I say family because you're. We'll talk a minute about your folks' commitment and your sisters. Where you're like, this is going to be what I'm going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly like really recently that I realized it actually could be a career. Like I always kind of was like, like I wanted to be a pro, obviously, but I just thought I didn't have it. And so, I mean, when I was younger, like I, yeah, I don't. It was like. I had, I kind of knew I could put the pieces together, but I just wasn't putting anything together. Like I'd show up to the Nike races and then I would just get destroyed. Like me and Xander would be there. You wouldn't get destroyed. Nelson. You guys were on the podium freshman. Yeah, I had some but great I mean, photos. <laughs> you weren't winning varsity the freshman. We weren't winning. Like, like Luke Lamperti would show up as like a 14 year old and like, like crush the varsity field. And I was like, I'm here and I'm losing the freshman races. Like, what am I doing? And I, it was just kind of this like, I would be like in like fourth or fifth and these kids would just be like, and I'd race these kids a bunch, like, like in the old cyclocross races, like I'd have these battles with these kids. And like, I think like, it's kind of weird, but like I hit puberty hella late. And so like, 
I would just, I feel like junior racing is a lot of like who develops the quickest is like who's the fastest, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, so like I was just kind of behind the curb and I would always just be getting like smoked at these races. And then, yeah, I think I kind of caught up a little bit. Yeah, I think that's natural in sports too. I remember, you know, all the, all the club, you know, the soccer with Xander and, and traveling. It's like they would say, you know, there's going to be kids peaking early. It's more like until everyone's like 17 or 18, like you don't really that's know. That's leveled out. It, there, there's some, some shuffling. So how old were you when you guys started traveling to go to races? It seems like as long as I've known you, your focus has been about going to races. What, what's your earliest memory of doing that as a family? I say family again, you yeah. and your sister and your folks. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like we started, like cyclocross was when we actually started traveling. Um, so the story about cyclocross was that like, met this guy John Haley and his kids all did cyclocross and Gavin his son used to be like a pro in Europe and all this stuff and so we kind of he just kind of started coaching us and like I think I want to say I was like 13 or 12 like between the ages of like 12 13 maybe 14 around there because I think I started off racing 13 14 category and I know Travis our friend was in the 15 16 and we were like Ooh, that's tough. Like, that's a, dude, like, that was regarded as, like, a pro category to us back then. And so, yeah, that's kind of how we started traveling. And then we kind of started going to the local races, like, Sacramento every weekend. And then we raced, like, the whole Sacramento cyclocross series. And then, like, honestly, I can't give you a year. Like, I don't know. I'm going to give you a chance to to say thanks to your parents. So... uh, I've been amazed by their commitment and, and it's, it's again, like thousands and thousands of soccer parents doing this, right? Cycling, not as much, but the commitment to that, I mean, what have they done to support you since you guys were little, you and you and your sister, I mean, they've been, they've been all in, right? Yeah. I mean, I think they realize it's just like, we're doing what we love and they did sports as a kid and yeah, they've been pretty amazing and yeah, just like, they're like, yeah, cycling. I, I mean... I don't know if I was a parent, if I'd be able to have that commitment. Like, I'd be like, dude, you're racing like junior races. Like, what is this? Like, chill, chill out a little bit. You don't need to go to every race. But somehow, like, we went to all the races. And yeah, I think me and my sister kind of like, we gained a lot of valuable racing experience, like at a young age, just being able to just like kind of race and repeat and like learn how to like eat your food two hours before and like warm up. I mean, stuff like that, I think when you're younger is pretty valuable. Um, I mean, yeah. Not, not, and then not to mention, you know, getting a, getting a good night's sleep, eating your food, taking care of your equipment, yeah. the routine. Um, it's, it's a lifestyle. And when you're committed to cycling, uh, you, you know, the consistency is, is, you know, what pays off. And like you said, that, that early training and now here you are. I mean, how many hours did you put in the last couple of weeks? Couldn't tell you. Huge, big, big one. I there. mean, I don't know. Like, it was kind of, this these past couple of weeks, I'll say, has been kind of weird. Like, I came back from Ecuador. I, like, took two weeks off. And then I rode for, like, a week and a half, some easy hours. And then I got hit with this, like, flu that's going around. And then, yeah, I mean, I'll put in, like, 25 hours. I think I did, like, 25 hours. The other so, t- so, tell me about Ecuador. We were, we were talked about this on our, on our ride, and I, I, and I saw your Instagram post. So, you had a great season in gravel. Next thing I know, here's Ian with with John and Taj, you guys are on a bus in Ecuador. I'm like, what's going on? How did that yeah. come about? And, and, and 
tell me about that race a little yeah. bit. So the story behind that race is I first went to a different stage race in Panama, like right after Leadville, and I was like, yeah, like I'll just go race some road, like. And then I had a good result there. I won the under 23 category and everyone was like, who is this kid? And so, and then I was think I was like fourth overall and I kind of just missed third. And so I was like, I want to try this again. And so I went down, uh, it was guest riding for this team, Rio Grande. Um, and yeah, like I like, turns out there was a spot and I called Taj. I was like, do you want to go to Ecuador? And he's like, yeah, let's go. And like, it was like automatic. Yes. And so we bought, we coordinated and bought tickets to Ecuador and we went to Tahoe like two weeks before and trained in the snow. I saw it was awful. So I get back from big sugar. Right. And so I'm supposed to go to Tahoe like the next day. And so I come back from big sugar and I like have like the worst sore throat. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not sick. Like I'm just feeling a little under the weather. And so like, I like waited a day and then I got even more sick. And so I think we went on like a Tuesday or Wednesday or something. And I was like, definitely still a little sick. And then Taj was, I think was on the edge of getting sick. And then it was just like, when we were in Tahoe training for this race, it was just like a perpetual, like, oh, uh, like, oh, seven hour day. Sweet. And then like, oh dude, I'm so sick. Like you wake up and you're like, oh, like you're sore, you have a sore throat and like you're congested. And I was like, okay, okay, it's fine. And then we'd go out and ride in the snow. You got like, your it was elevation really cold. training to, to help you once yeah. you got to Ecuador? I mean, I think, I don't know if being sick helped. So we went to Ecuador. We, uh, we booked some, did we book a bad flight? I think we booked a bad flight because I remember sleeping in the airport for a while. I've traveled so much this year. I always been booking. But you got flights. to Ecuador, so you get there. What was the, what was the, what were the racing like, and what was the stages? How yeah. many how many so, days? We get there. Taj has diarrhea right away before he even touched the Ecuador water, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" So he was already sick. Um, and then yeah, so the racing was super gnarly. Like the first two days were flat, and it was like. I think the first day was like 130 miles and the next day was like 120 or something. And those, the rivers were hot days, but I mean, it wasn't that bad. And like John Borstelman showed up and was like, dude, I'm going to race these first two days, like as hard as I can. And then I'm going to drink beer and like chill out for the rest. And I'm like, all right, I guess you came here to win the first two days. And so like, I think within like in the first like 20 miles of the race or something, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly. He gets in a break and is like solo off the front with a couple of guys. And so then he was complaining about the drink mix we were using and he cramped or something because he didn't have enough salt. And so he got second, lost a sprint at the end. And so he was like, okay, okay. I got second that day. Like got to turn this around the next day. And so, yeah, I think, how am I not remembering these right now? Like I exploded a wheel. Like the roads were just like there was like sinkholes on the sides, and there was like a sinkhole. Like and you the shot there, and, and the table. team had the team had bikes for you, right? And that worked out. No, 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 no. We brought our own bikes, right. and then like I brought a bunch of like I brought a set of spare wheels because I like I'd blown up a wheel in Panama. Like you just hit a pothole, and the thing just goes kaboom. Like, and so I blew up a wheel. I was already one wheel down, and like. I guess tubeless sealant had gotten inside the thing and plugged the bleed holes. So when I broke the wheel, the whole side of the wheel like exploded off and it was like an explosion. And so it was, it was pretty bad. Um, what was your, what was it? Yeah. What was your best, uh, the best day down there in the so, stage for you? Whatever. So the first two days, sorry, let me, okay, so, yeah. so the first two days were, uh, were flat. And then it was like, we went from 
zero feet to 9,000 feet in one day. Basically, and then it was all at like 9,000, 10,000 feet. Um, so I think, I think my, my, I guess my best stage result was 10th. I mean, yeah, we kind of went in there with no plan and, and, uh, we're just kind of messing around and it was actually a legit UCI stage race. I think it was a 2.2. So I think, I think I definitely could have planned better. And like on the v- second to last day, I just missed the break. And like I, we talked before and I was like, dude, if the break, the break's going to go on the first KOM section. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'll go for the break. And then kind of when you're altitude, you have to meter yourself a lot. And so I kind of went a little too into the red and then like, just as soon as I got off the break and I got like sucked back into the Peloton, like the Peloton, like went su- started going super slow. And I was like, I just, oh. I just fumbled that. And then we hit the last climb, like 80, 80 miles later or something. And Taj is DI2 just like completely stopped working on a descent. And so he gets this Shimano neutral bike and somehow like <laughs> the Shimano bikes have like look Kyo pedals. Like all of them have look Kyo pedals in South America. And we're like, what is this? And so he was like out there dealing with issues. And so I wasn't able to like ride with him that much that like in the end of the day, but we got to the final climb and it was like, I think it was like nine miles and it was like 105 or 10 or 10 degrees. And it was like perfect for me. And I was like, let's go. And so I started just like going and then we caught like tons of people from the break. I think it was like a group break of like five to 10 people or something. And then we caught everybody except like two guys. And then of course I fumbled the finish and didn't sprint well. Yeah. Really. But I mean, that was kind of the whole story of the trip. Like I'd be, Pretty much every single day, I'd be in that bunch of like twenty pe- twenty to fifteen people for the finish, and then like whatever, someone would go and win, and then I'd be like twelfth or something like that. And it was like, oh my god, I really need to improve this. But I think I gained a lot of experience, and I I kind of realized how much I could push myself. Like I'd start every day, and I'd be like, I, I don't know if I'm gonna finish today. Like I had a sore throat. Like I ate something bad and like my stomach was not having it. And so, yeah, it was, it was like, I think the experience of that for me was the, uh, like kind of realizing like, dude, these gravel races are one day and they're this distance. And we just raced eight days of this at 10,000 feet. And I was like, Leadville is going to be nothing compared to this next year. So I think kind of mentally it kind of helped me out for that at least. Yeah. I oh, want to ask you, you mentioned, you mentioned Leadville and I've been want to come back to the, the mountain bike topic, which I think uh, you, you caught people's eyes when you pulled off a, a 15th overall at Leadville this year. And you told me that remarkably that was coming right off, right off of, right off of COVID. Right. So I imagine that's something that you're, that you're looking forward to even improving more upon, more upon next year. How did, how is it that you Tell me about finishing, finishing so well. Tell me about, tell me about your Leadville day. Yeah. So I guess I'll start with the COVID. So I think, so I want to say, I, um, I guess a month before we were on our phones, we're, we're listening to the radio in Truckee and we're like, they're like, win tickets to the Chainsmokers concert in South Lake. 
and we're like, Chainsmokers concert? Let's go to the Chainsmokers concert. I've never been to a big concert before. And like, I've listened to like three of their songs. It's like this stupid band. And I was like, all right, let's go. So we went to some concert in South Lake. And then sitting next to me is some lady who is like, is this your first concert? And she's breathing all over me. And I was like, ah. I'm going to get COVID if I get it from here. And so it turns out my sister got hit with COVID first, like two days earlier. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, man, I can't believe I didn't get it. This lady was breathing all over me. Like she was in my ear like yelling, oh my God, I love this concert. Like some random like 40 year old lady. And so I get COVID from that. And it's like, I guess three and a half weeks before Leadville. And I'm like, this is really bad. And so it took me a week to get over it. And I like went to the doctor. So I started calling the ERs. I was like, can you get me the antiviral? Like, cause I was like, ever, someone told me you get over it in like a week. And I was like, and then you have, you're done. So I was like, antiviral. And so I started calling. I was like, please. And then I remembered, I was like, you know, what's on my chart? Like I used to have an asthma inhaler from when I used to race Nika. And I was like, because I guess the dust would get me or something. I don't really have it anymore. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, I have, I have asthma. Can I, can I get the antiviral? And they're like, sure thing. Here you go. And like, it's so hard to get like then. And so I got the antiviral. I get better in a week. I'm like feeling super good. I do like a 30 hour week. I did a bunch of big rides. I rode to Downeyville from Truckee. It was like a super fun week. And then like, Sunday night rolls around and I'm like, uh-uh, 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 what is that? And then I just got hit with this like rebound case. And so like the next, the whole next week I was off the bike and I was like, what is this? And so I tested again and I somehow like, I went negative for COVID for a whole week and then I went positive again for a whole week and I was so confused. And then I, yeah. And then I basically had like little more than half a week to Leadville or something like that and so I flew to Colorado and I stayed in this random lady's house like it was like friend of a friend friend's friend or something like that it was crazy so I met this lady Sarah she was pretty cool and we just like I just stayed at her house and then yeah I went to Leadville and then I like I like didn't play it very smart like I I didn't look at the course I didn't look at anything. Everyone was just like, there's a climb called Powerline, and then there's a climb called Columbine. And then I was like, okay, okay, like whatever. And then I just like, I just stayed with the front group. And then everyone's like, just on like the day before I was talking to everyone and they're like, what time are you going for? And I was like, yeah, like it'd be cool to like go under seven hours. And they're like, oh my God, seven hours. And everyone's like, I want to go sub nine hours. And I was like, (laughs) I mean, and then I was like embarrassed to say I wanted to go sub seven. So you hadn't really studied and done your homework. I hadn't done, everyone was just throwing out out. these times the day before. And I was like, I don't know, like, like. I mean, I was like, I can't, I can't be that much slower than these guys. Like, I've got to go sub seven. And so when I'd bring it up, people would be like, dude, there's no way. Is this your first Leadville? There's no way you're going sub seven. And so then I was like, whatever. And so then I went with the front group and then I was there. And then I was kind of like, there was like the kind of front couple guys. And then I was with that group right behind with like, uh, do you know Nicky Terpstra? He won like mm. Roubaix. So I guess he was there for some reason. And then I was with like Dylan Johnson and Rob Britton and, and like Lachlan Morgan came by. And so I was like, oh man. And then I see Keegan like coming. There's a turnaround at Columbine and I see Keegan. I'm like, I guess I'm like not that far. I mean, he's in front of me, but like, I guess I'm in a good spot. And then I started counting and I was like, 
14, 15. And then I was like, whoa, you're 15. Like, this is going to be a crazy result if you finish this. And so I was coming back, like, I will say I'm, I did mess up a bunch of feeds and I went a bunch without water and start. So that wasn't ideal. But, and then I missed a feed on the way back and I grabbed some mystery bottle from somebody and it was like, it was the worst tasting mix I've ever had. And I was like so cautious to drink it. Cause like everyone's like, oh, you should try your drink mix before a race. And like, I was like, well, I guess I'm just sending it. And then like, I was like, I'm not going to, and I just threw the bottle. I was like, whatever, like, I'm not going to risk it. It was super weird tasting. And then I ended up getting a bottle on a different feed, but yeah, I was just going. And then I just started like, I played it super conservatively. And this was kind of the, like the first race of the year where I didn't and how have many people nutrition were you with on, the, on that last, whatever, third or quarter of, of, of the course. Cause I well, know it was like a group and then like Rob Britton left and then people like Dylan Johnson, everyone just kind of was like disappeared behind me. And I was like, whoa, I guess I'm just here. And so then I'd played it pretty conservatively. And I just started like, just started like, I was like, all right, well, I have stuff left in the tank. And so I started going and I started just catching people. So I caught, I think I caught like four people or something in the last like 20 miles. I, just, I think, I don't know if it was like a negative split, but I definitely just like conserved enough energy and was fueled well enough where I just like started catching people and then so i rolled into power line which is like the really steep climb and on the way there i was like there's no way we're going up this and this is like i swear it's like 35 percent or something and it's like dirt and everyone people walk it and i was like we're we're going we're going up this like i asked pete i think i saw him in the bottom i was like pete are we going up that and he's like yeah yeah, yeah we're going up that and i was like there's no way we're making it up that and so we hit i hit the bottom of that and it was like this big flat road section i was by myself and then i look behind me and i see like Payson and alex and dylan and like all these people and i was like are you kidding me like they literally just pace line that whole red section while i was by myself and it was like come on guys right you were a solo yeah. and i was totally solo the and they caught me on like just no literally on the road like right at the bottom and i was like really and so then like i like i can't i don't have like a rivalry with alex but we have the same coach and i was like dude i'm this guy's not catching me so pacing whatever he went by me i was like all right okay you're you got a flat. Theoretically, you're fitter than me. But then, like, I see Alex behind me, and I was just like, <laughs> I just was like on the gas. I was like, you're not catching me. And so then, like, I like I put in a pretty big dig, and like Alex didn't catch me. And so, so did I, you clean? Did you clean that climb? Yeah, yeah I cleaned it. Yeah. But I was like, yeah. I was like looking around. I was like, yeah, I hope no one sees me if I have to walk this. So, but yeah, I made it up it, and then that was a nasty climb. And so then, I, like, that was kind of where that negative split, and I just started catching people that were fading. And so then I rolled in, it was like, I was like 15th and I was like, whoa. And then I think I finished in like 638 and I was like, wow, I did go sub seven. Like, and that wasn't even like, I finished the race. I was like, yeah, that wasn't even like that hard. Like, cause I didn't bonk or anything. Like I'd finished some of the Bells, other Belgian waffle ride races and I was just be like so destroyed. And so I finished the race and I was like, oh, I like that race. Yeah. And then the funny thing after is like, I think I sat around for like only like 20 minutes after the race and I left because it was like, I like, 
I'm a very cheap traveler. And so I'd found a ride for myself to steamboat because I wasn't doing the steamboat series, like the steamboat race the next day. But I just knew Sarah, the lady I'd stayed with before, was driving back. So like 20 minutes after Leadville finished, I put my bike on this oh, crazy car. Oh, you didn't get to stay for the podium? <laughs> I wasn't on the... I mean, I apparently... Did you race, you race pro, not age group then? Not under... I think I was in the age group though. So I think I won some like under nine... Under... Under... I don't know what age group. I uh-huh. won an age group. Right. But I was like, well, I got to get home. So I like hopped in this guy's car, Brian, and we just like drove to Steamboat like 20 minutes after the race. And I was like, okay, I guess that's Leadville. It's kind of weird. And you got to Steamboat before half the field even finished probably there. I mean, Steamboat's a long drive. Yeah, but yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was like a three-hour drive and I got there and like, I was like, well, I guess that's over. And it was so weird to just go like, I feel like you kind of sit around at a race for a while after and I just like finished the race and left and then I was like sitting around steamboat and like oh what can I do around here and then I went out and like Sarah was trying to like sleep the night before so I went it was so weird like I went to a Mexican restaurant like 10 o'clock at night like by myself and I was just like eating a burrito and I was like man this must be really privateer lifestyle like I'm literally (laughs) by myself and everyone's partying or getting ready for a race tomorrow and I'm just here by myself and like I like remember like I always go shopping when I'm hungry, and so I went and, like, walked into some Safeway after that, and I just started buying, like, chips, and so I walked out of there with, like, three bags of sour cream and onion chips, and I was just, like, eating them. It was crazy, because I woke up at five in the morning when... Oh, yeah, the deficit from the race yeah, when well, you're just I woke up at five right, in the morning yeah. when Sarah left for, uh, was going to race Steamboat, and I started eating chips at, like, five in the morning, and I was like, <laughs> what are you doing? I was just eating, like, sour cream and onion chips. I was like, man, the rest of the season must be really over now. And so, yeah, it was a good time. I was, I enjoyed that race and yeah, I finished the race and I was like, man, I, I was like, I just felt satisfied yeah. with what I'd done with kind of the situation. Yeah. Well, you're, it, well, it sounds like, you know, that you're having these results that where you're, you know, you, you feel like you're within your comfort and you're able, even though you didn't have expectations of that race other than going under seven hours. You were smart enough to go that. with the group, and then you were able to, 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 to stay on the gas uh, at the end. Tell me about, um, you know, now that you've decided to, to focus on, on the gravel calendar next year, who's, who are the folks that are helping make this possible for you? What's your team and yeah, sponsors so looking I'm on, like? I signed for Mazda Lauf Factory Racing, I believe is what it's called. Um, uh, yeah, so John Harp is the director, and he, I think he lives in Colorado, maybe Texas part-time, but he's a super funny guy. Um, yeah, I really like John, and yeah, so the, how this happened was Paul, the guy who supports me from Sportful, was just, like, making, I was like, dude, Paul, like, can we, can we, can you help me find some sponsors? Like, dude, I'm kind of just out here floating around, and I'm getting, like, decent results. He's like, okay, okay, I'll make some calls, and so I know he... So he called uh, John and was like, dude, just like hear this kid out. Like, I know we don't have any obligation because this this team is sponsored by Sportful. Just like, just look at this kid on the radar. And so I talked to him on the phone and uh, yeah, it was like, he was like, okay, I mean, I guess we'll see. And I think, I mean, he was like, this guy, you get this team gets a lot of calls from kids coming off the high school scene who are like, hey, I want to race gravel, gravel. And so then uh, at SBT, at Steamboat, like it was a pretty good idea that I went there because I actually talked to him. And then I, uh, yeah, I kind of negotiated a little guest ride and I went to two races, Big Sugar and 
BWR Kansas later in the season with him. But so our team is, yeah, and our team's supported by Lauf, which is like gravel bike with a suspension fork. And yeah, we got we got some pretty cool sponsors for the next year coming up. And, and so you still be with Sportful Clothing, still right? Sportful, yeah. Right on. Um, Share that sponsor. Yeah. And what what's going to be uh, the expectations in terms of uh, some races that you have to go to, or there's ones that are the maybes? Like, what's how are things going to looking like for you? I mean, it's tentatively now, or is it or is it set? No, it's. I mean, obviously you got the I, lifetime series. Yeah, the lifetime series and. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't really get a, a, a list of expected races to go to. I think uh, I think they're, they they kind of know like I'm gonna be racing a lot anyways. And I mean, I was yeah racing a lot last year. So I uh, and the hoppers, the yeah. first couple. I'll be I on the first two, first two for sure. Um, but yeah, I know I know I'm gonna do at least four of the BWR races to be in the series, and then the lifetime series, and then two of the hopper races, and. I'm I'm gonna still try to dabble in some roads, so I'll go to U23 Road Nationals, not like not with the team. I'll do my own thing, and I'll do uh, what other race? I'll do, I'm I'm trying. If anyone out there wants to give me a guest ride slot on their team for UCI Gila, I've been knocking on people's doors. So <laughs> yeah. So I know there was you were I read the article by Betsy Welsh about you know your choice and how you were exploring some options in, in Spain and I I would imagine you have dual citizenship your dad's Spanish right so you yeah. could be a, racing as a Spaniard on a Spanish team um, when you were there what what are your thoughts about doing some road racing and or racing in Spain for part of the season Yeah I mean I don't know. Like I, I went to Panama. I had a good result, and then I kind of got noticed by an agent. And then from there, I went to. Uh, it was like, all right, send me some some power data, and then it was like, yeah, I got an offer for a Spanish team, and it was legit. Like, I, they everyone wants me to sw- wanted me to switch to a different coach in Spain, and I was like, okay. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, like. I, I've been getting better. Like, I don't see what's wrong with my current coach. And so it was a little bit about that. And then I was kind of like, so I decided not to do it. And I was like, I have this opportunity for gravel. If I get in the Grand Prix, I think it could be pretty big. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I really like Spain. And I think it's, I think it could be, there could be some road in my future. So, I mean, but for this year, I'm on the gravel. And I guess we'll see what goes from happens from there. Did I answer your question? Yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. And having that keep your options open, but I think you know, gravel. I remember talking to Pete when he and I used to used to text when he was doing the World Pro Tour. He's like, "Oh man, how was old Kaz?" And checking on the results, you know, and knowing how much fun we were doing this. And then as he was making the transition, and he done BWR with some good success, and was like, "Man, gravel's gonna blow up." I'm like, "Yeah, that's awesome." So to see. Uh, this I would call it a genre of bike racing, giving yourself and others a chance to to make a living at it while having a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm all for it, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen next year. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little bit of a gamble, not the kind of traditional road route, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think getting in early is obviously maybe an advantage. So we'll see. I mean, there's definitely people making, like Pete, making a good living at this, and so... We'll see if I can get there sometime. 
Yeah, it's certainly. I think it's on the upwards in terms of the evolution yeah. of, of the sport, though, right? But the fitness you go, and I, I think maybe a national championship on, you'll be the uh, the next Steve Larson, where you could win a national championship on the road, cycle cross, <laughs> gravel. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not going back to cyclocross nationals, dude. I'm so done with cyclocross. <sighs> Yeah, it's a, what a difference between racing 45 to 60 minutes as opposed to racing six and a half hours, right? And, yeah. and that brings us back to Sonoma County, which which I love. I remember even though I got kind of mad at you and Xander that day, you guys disappeared and you're gone for like six hours doing old cows. Yeah, and yeah old cows took us but, six hours. But I, get, but I get it that like being solo, going deep, turning your phone off uh, and having that chance to really get yeah. out and explore. So to be able to... To do that and combine that with your with your racing, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that part. Like, I definitely love like riding my bike is what I love, and so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm excited. Like, just like kind of the training days are like, really excite me, honestly, too. Like, just riding all day and yeah, being lost in your mind out there. Yeah. Alrighty, well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat, and uh, we'll 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 get you mid season and and check back in and. And see how things are going, and uh, hopefully your power comes back on soon. <laughs> Get yeah. a hot shower, I, dude. Should I tell the story of this? <laughs> Three days of cold. Yeah. yeah, tell what's like. What's yeah, okay, what's the okay. glory life of training in NorCal right, in the winter? So, so right now we're in the middle of a, a storm. It's really annoying. So like all the roads are just covered in like sinkholes and down power lines and all this stuff. And so the power's been out at my house for like at least two and a half days now and so i've been getting back from these like rainy rides and like been like shivering like covered in mud and so then i'm like well i gotta take a shower and so i go in the shower and i'm just like under the shower water just like cold cold water just young like turn on the power like just young as loud as i can then i get out of there and i'm like okay that wasn't that bad but then like i procrastinate a while to take a shower and so yeah i guess it's the the glory days of training here so yeah i don't know what i'll do the next like it seems like it's gonna be raining for the next while there might be well we got power here with our lights on as you can see you're welcome to come and take a shower after your next training right (laughs) we'll see i might be going to i think i might be going to spain on monday really yeah all of a sudden Tell us about yeah. what's going on. Okay, so not for sure yet, but basically my sister's in Belgium, I want to say right now, and she's been in this long-standing discussion with my parents where she was supposed to come home for two weeks and then come back to Belgium, and then like... Ah, but plan B is to but plan B in Spain. Plan B is that basically the weather is so terrible here right now that she might have won the battle to stay in Spain or to go to Spain. So we might just like change her ticket back to the U.S. So for me to go to Spain. So I think I'll have to. We're gonna like literally buy a ticket tonight. I think and leave on Monday. <laughs> Sweet. Well, that sounds. That's yeah, we'll good, see. A good event. And she's still in high school, and you're you're done with yeah. your with your school. So Fresh you you have more flex. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, it was a big accomplishment. Got the diploma. <laughs> right on, Ian. Well, I hope I hope you make it to Spain to some warmer weather. And, yeah, it'd be uh, pretty great. I'm a little done with this rain for now. Yeah, and Godspeed to you, buddy. Next year, I can't wait to wait to follow along. Yeah, thanks, Miguel. Cheers. That was a good one. 